Chapter Eight of Mashi and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Mashi and Other Stories by Rabindranath Tagore. Chapter Eight: The Elder Sister. Having described at length the misdeeds of an unfortunate woman's wicked, tyrannical husband, Tara, the woman's neighbor in the village, very shortly declared her verdict. Fire be to such a husband's mouth! At this, Joygapal Babu's wife felt much hurt. It did not become womankind to wish, in any circumstances whatever, a worse species of fire than that of a cigar in a husband's mouth. When therefore she mildly disapproved the verdict, hard-hearted Tara cried with redoubled vehemence, "'Twere better to be a widow seven births over than the wife of such a husband,' and saying this she broke up the meeting and left. Saucy said within herself, "'I can't imagine any offense in a husband that could so harden the heart against him.' Even as she turned the matter over in her mind, all the tenderness of her loving soul gushed forth towards her own husband now abroad throwing herself with outstretched arms on that part of the bed whereon her husband was wont to lie she kissed the empty pillow caught the smell of her husband's head and shutting the door brought out from a wooden box an old and almost faded photograph with some letters in his handwriting and sat gazing upon them thus she passed the hushed noontide alone in her room musing of old memories and shedding tears of sadness it was no new yoke this between sasikala and joykopal they had been married at an early age and had children their long companionship had made the days go by in an easy commonplace sort of way on neither side had there been any symptoms of excessive passion. They had lived together nearly sixteen years without a break when her husband was suddenly called away from home on business, and then a great impulse of love awoke in Saucy's soul. As separation strained the tie, love's knot grew tighter, and the passion whose existence Saucy had not felt now made her throb with pain. So it happened that after so many long years, and at such an age, and being the mother of children, Saucy, on this spring noon in her lonely chamber, lying on the bed of separation, began to dream the sweet dream of a bride in her budding youth. That love which hitherto had been unconscious suddenly aroused her with its murmuring music. She wandered a long way up the stream, and saw many a golden mansion and many a grove on either bank but no foothold could she find now amid the vanished hopes of happiness. She began to say to herself that, when next she met her husband, life should not be insipid, nor should the spring come in vain. How very often, in idle disputation, or some petty quarrel, had she teased her husband. With all the singleness of a penitent heart, she vowed that she would never show impatience again, never oppose her husband's wishes, bear all his commands, and with a tender heart submit to whatever he wished of good or ill. For the husband was all in all. The husband was the dearest object of love. The husband was divine. Sasikala was the only and much petted daughter of her parents. For this reason, though he had only a small property of his own, Joygapal had no anxieties about the future. 
his father-in-law had enough to support them in the village with royal state and then in his old age a son was born untimely to sasikala's father to tell the truth saucy was very sore in her mind at this unlooked-for improper and unjust action of her parents nor was joygopal particularly pleased the parents love centred on this son of their advanced years and when the newly arrived diminutive sleepy brother-in-law seized with his two weak tiny fists all the hopes and expectations of joygopal joygopal found a place in a tea-garden in assam his friends urged him to look for employment hard by but whether out of a general feeling of resentment or knowing the chances of rapid rise in a tea-garden joygopal would not pay heed to anybody he sent his wife and children to his father-in-law's and left for assam it was the first separation between husband and wife in their married life this incident made sasikala very angry with her baby brother the soreness which may not pass the lips is felt the more keenly within when the little fellow sucked and slept at his ease his big sister found a hundred reasons such as the rice is cold the boys are too late for school to worry herself and others day and night with her petulant humors but in a short time the child's mother died before her death she committed her infant son to her daughter's care then did the motherless child easily conquer his sister's heart with loud whoops he would fling himself upon her and with right good will try to get her mouth nose eyes within his own tiny mouth he would seize her hair within his little fists and refused to give it up awaking before dawn he would roll over to her side and thrill her with his soft touch and babble like a noisy brook later on he would call her gigi and jijima and in hours of work and rest by doing forbidden things eating forbidden food going to forbidden places would set up a regular tyranny over her then sassy could resist no longer she surrendered herself completely to this wayward little tyrant since the child had no mother his influence over her became the greater the child was named nilmani when he was two years old his father fell seriously ill a letter reached joygopal asking him to come as quickly as possible when after much trouble he got leave and arrived kaliprasana's last hour had come before he died kaliprasana entrusted joygopal with the charge of his son and left a quarter of his estate to his daughter so joygopal gave up his appointment and came home to look after his property after a long time husband and wife met again when a material body breaks it may be put together again but when two human beings are divided after a long separation they never reunite at the same place and to the same time for the mind is a living thing and moment by moment it grows and changes in saucy reunion stirred a new emotion the numbness of age-long habit in their old marriage was entirely removed by the longing born of separation and she seemed to win her husband much more closely than before had she not vowed in her mind that whatever days might come and how long soever they might be she would never let the brightness of this glowing love for her husband be dimmed of this reunion however joygopal felt differently when they were constantly together before he had been bound to his wife by his interests and idiosyncrasies 
his wife was then a living truth in his life and there would have been a great rent in the web of his daily habit if she were left out consequently joygopal found himself in deep waters at first when he went abroad but in time this breach in habit was patched up by a new habit and this was not all formerly his days went by in the most indolent and careless fashion for the last two years the stimulus of bettering his condition had stirred so powerfully in his breast that he had nothing else in his thoughts as compared with the intensity of this new passion his old life seemed like an unsubstantial shadow the greatest changes in a woman's nature are wrought by love in man's by ambition joygopal when he returned after two years found his wife not quite the same as of old to her life his infant brother-in-law had added a new breadth this part of her life was wholly unfamiliar to him here he had no communion with his wife his wife tried hard to share her love for the child with him but it cannot be said that she succeeded saucy would come with the child in her arms and hold him before her husband with a smiling face nilmani would clasp saucy's neck and hide his face on her shoulder and admit no obligation of kindred saucy wished that her little brother might show joygopal all the arts he had learnt to capture a man's mind but joygopal was not very keen about it how could the child show any enthusiasm joygopal could not at all understand what there was in the heavy-pated grave-faced dusky child that so much love should be wasted on him women quickly understand the ways of love saucy at once understood that joygopal did not care for nilmani henceforth she used to screen her brother with the greatest care to keep him away from the unloving repelling look of her husband thus the child came to be the treasure of her secret care the object of her isolated love joygopal was greatly annoyed when nilmani cried so saucy would quickly press the child to her breast and with her whole heart and soul try to soothe him and when nilmani's cry happened to disturb joygopal's sleep at night and Joygopal, with an expression of displeasure and in tortured spirit, growled at the child. Saucy felt humbled and fluttered like a guilty thing. Then she would take up the child in her lap, retire to a distance, and in a voice of pleading love with such endearments as, My gold, my treasure, my jewel, lull him to sleep. Children will fall out for a hundred things. Formerly in such cases, Saucy would punish her children and side with her brother, for he was motherless. Now the law changed with the judge. Nilmani had often to bear heavy punishment without fault and without inquiry. This wrong went like a dagger to Saucy's heart, so she would take her punished brother into her room, and with sweets and toys and by caressing and kissing him, solace as much as she could his stricken heart. Thus the more Saucy loved Nilmani, the more Joygopal was annoyed with him. On the other hand, the more Joygopal showed his contempt for Nilmani, the more would Saucy bathe the child with the nectar of her love. And when the fellow Joygopal behaved harshly to his wife, Saucy would minister to him silently, meekly, and with loving-kindness, but inwardly they hurt each other, moment by moment, about Nilmani. The hidden clash of a silent conflict like this is far harder to bear than an open quarrel. Nilmani's head was the largest part of him. It seemed as if the Creator had blown through a slender stick a big bubble at its top. The doctors feared sometimes that the child might be as frail and as quickly evanescent as a bubble, 
for a long time he could neither speak nor walk. Looking at his sad, grave face, you might think his parents had unburdened all the sad weight of their advanced years upon the head of this little child. With his sister's care and nursing, Nilmani passed the period of danger, and arrived at his sixth year. In the month of Kartik, on the Bifoto day, Saucy had dressed Nilmani up as a little baboo, in a coat and chadar and red-bordered haughty, and was giving him the brother's mark, when her outspoken neighbor Tara came in, and for one reason or another began a quarrel. "'Tis no use,' cried she, giving the brother's mark with so much show, and ruining the brother in secret. At this Saucy was thunderstruck with astonishment, rage, and pain. Tara repeated the rumor that Saucy and her husband had conspired together to put the minor Nilmani's property up for sale for arrears of rent, and to purchase it in the name of her husband's cousin. When Saucy heard this, she uttered a curse that those who could spread such a foul lie might be stricken with leprosy in the mouth, and then she went weeping to her husband, and told him of the gossip. Joygopal said, "'Nobody can be trusted in these days.' You Pin is my aunt's son, and I felt quite safe in leaving him in charge of the property. He could not have allowed the Taluk Hasselpar to fall into arrears and purchase it himself in secret, if I had had the least inkling about it. Won't you sue, then? asked Saucy in astonishment. Sue one's cousin, said Joygapal. Besides, it would be useless, a simple waste of money. It was Saucy's supreme duty to trust her husband's word, but Saucy could not. At last her happy home, the domesticity of her love, seemed hateful to her. That home life which had once seemed her supreme refuge was nothing more than a cruel snare of self-interest which had surrounded them, brother and sister, on all sides. She was a woman, single-handed, and she knew not how she could save the helpless Nilmani. The more she thought, the more her heart filled with terror, loathing, and an infinite love for her imperiled little brother. She thought that, if only she knew how, she would appear before the Lot Sahib, nay, write to the Maharani herself, to save her brother's property. The Maharani would surely not allow Nilmani's taluk of Hasselpar, with an income of 758 rupees a year, to be sold. When Saucy was thus thinking of bringing her husband's cousin to book by appealing to the Maharani herself, Nilmani was suddenly seized with fever and convulsions. Joygopal called in the village doctor. When Saucy asked for a better doctor, Joygopal said, Why, Matalal isn't a bad sort. Saucy fell at his feet and charged him with an oath on her own head, whereupon Joygopal said, Well, I shall send for the doctor from town. Saucy lay with Nilmani in her lap, nor would Nilmani let her out of his sight for a minute. He clung to her lest by some pretense she should escape. Even while he slept, he would not loosen his hold of her dress. Thus the whole day passed, and Joygopal came after nightfall to say that the doctor was not at home. He had gone to see a patient at a distance. He added that he himself had to leave that very day on account of a lawsuit, and that he had told Matalal, who would regularly call to see the patient. At night Nilmani wandered in his sleep. As soon as the morning dawned, Saucy, without the least scruple, took a boat with her sick brother, and went straight to the doctor's house. The doctor was at home. He had not left town. He quickly found lodgings for her, and having installed her under the care of an elderly widow, undertook the treatment of the boy. The next day Joygopal arrived. 
Blazing with fury, he ordered his wife to return home with him at once. Even if you cut me to pieces, I won't return, replied his wife. You all want to kill my Nilmani, who has no father, no mother, none other than me. But I will save him. Then you remain here and don't come back to my house, cried Joygopal indignantly. Sasi at length fired up. Your house? Why, tis my brother's. All right, we'll see, said Joygopal. The neighbors made a great stir over this incident. If you want to quarrel with your husband, said Tara, do so at home. What is the good of leaving your house? After all, Joygopal is your husband. By spending all the money she had with her and selling her ornaments, Saucy saved her brother from the jaws of death. Then she heard that the big property which they had in Dwaragram, where their dwelling-house stood, the income of which was more than fifteen hundred rupees a year, had been transferred by Joygopal into his own name with the help of the Jimandar, and now the whole property belonged to them, not to her brother. When he had recovered from his illness, Nilmani would cry plaintively, "'Let us go home, sister.' His heart was pining for his nephews and nieces, his companions. So he repeatedly said, "'Let us go home, sister, to that old house of ours.' At this Saucy wept. Where was their home? But it was no good crying. Her brother had no one else besides herself in the world. Saucy thought of this, wiped her tears, and entering the zanana of the deputy magistrate, Tarini Babu, appealed to his wife. The deputy magistrate knew Joykapal, that a woman should forsake her home and engage in a dispute with her husband regarding matters of property greatly incensed him against Saucy. However, Tarini Babu kept Saucy diverted and instantly wrote to Joygopal. Joygopal put his wife and brother-in-law into a boat by force and brought them home. Husband and wife, after a second separation, met again for the second time the decree of Prajapati. Having got back his old companions after a long absence, Nilmani was perfectly happy. Seeing his unsuspecting joy, Saucy felt as if her heart would break. The magistrate was touring in the Mofasul during the cold weather and pitched his tent within the village to shoot. The sahib met Nilmani on the village Maidan. The other boys gave him a wide berth, varying Janakaya's couplet a little, and adding the sahib to the list of the clawed, the toothed, and the horned beast. But grave-natured Nilmani, in imperturbable curiosity, serenely gazed at the sahib. The sahib was amused, and came up and asked in Bengali, You read at the Patsala? The boy silently nodded. What pustaks do you read? asked the sahib. As Nilmani did not understand the word pustak, he silently fixed his gaze on the magistrate's face. Nilmani told his sister the story of his meeting the magistrate with great enthusiasm. At noon, Joygopal, dressed in trousers, chapkan, and pagri, went to pay his salams to the sahib. A crowd of suitors, chaprezis, and constables stood about him. Fearing the heat, the sahib had seated himself at a court table outside the tent in open shade, and placing Joygopal in a chair, questioned him about the state of the village. Having taken the seat of honor in open view of the community, Joygopal swelled inwardly and thought it would be a good thing if any of the Chakrabatis or Nandis came and saw him there. At this moment, a woman closely veiled and accompanied by Nelmani came straight up to the magistrate. 
she said, Sahib, into your hands I resign my helpless brother. Save him. The Sahib, seeing the large-headed solemn boy whose acquaintance he had already made, and thinking that the woman must be of a respectable family, at once stood up and said, Please enter the tent. The woman said, What I have to say I will say here. Joygopal writhed and turned pale. The curious villagers thought it capital fun and pressed closer, but the moment the Sahib lifted his cane they scampered off. Holding her brother by the hand, Saucy narrated the story of the orphan from the beginning. As Joygopal tried to interrupt now and then, the magistrate thundered with a flushed face, Chupro, and with the tip of his cane motioned to Joygopal to leave the chair and stand up. Joygopal, inwardly raging against Saucy, stood speechless. Nilmani nestled up close to his sister and listened awestruck. When Saucy had finished her story, the magistrate put a few questions to Joygopal, and on hearing his answers kept silence for a long while, and then addressed Saucy thus. My good woman, though this matter may not come up before me, still rest assured I will do all that is needful about it. You can return home with your brother without the least misgiving. Saucy said, Sahib, so long as he does not get back his own home, I dare not take him there. Unless you keep Nilmani with you, none else will be able to save him. And what would you do? queried the Sahib. I will retire to my husband's house, said Sasi. There is nothing to fear for me. The Sahib smiled a little, and as there was nothing else to do, agreed to take charge of this lean, dusty, grave, sedate, gentle Bengali boy whose neck was ringed with amulets. When Sasi was about to take her leave, the boy clutched her dress. Don't be frightened, Baba. Come, said the Sahib. With tears streaming behind her veil, Saucy said, Do go, my brother, my darling brother. You will meet your sister again. Saying this, she embraced him and stroked his head and back, and releasing her dress, hastily withdrew, and just then the Sahib put his left arm round him. The child wailed out, Sister, oh, my sister! Saucy turned round at once, and with outstretched arms made a sign of speechless solace, and with a bursting heart withdrew. Again in that old, ever-familiar house, husband and wife met. The decree of Prajapati. But this union did not last long, for soon after the villagers learnt one morning that Saucy had died of cholera in the night, and had been instantly cremated. None uttered a word about it. Only neighbor Tara would sometimes be on the point of bursting out, but people would shut up her mouth, saying, Hush! At parting, Saucy gave her word to her brother they would meet again. Where that word was kept, none can tell. End of chapter 8 Recording by Patty Cunningham